This is David Hofmeister's Unwind Your Mind Back to God Read by Tarana Singh In today's episode we continue unlearning the world with book 2 In chapter 5 this is section 4 Putting the ideas into practice David If the course is not practical, if you cannot apply it to your life, then what good does it do? If there are any questions or issues in your life that you feel comfortable talking about as you perceive them, we can trace them back into the mind. That is how we can get at some of the beliefs and misperceptions. It is like a spiritual psychotherapy. Basically, you do not go to a therapist and say, Oh, I do not know what to believe about God and the nature of the universe. There is probably a pretty specific group of students and problems you start with. What the therapist calls the presenting problem are the things the patient has to start off with. Since everyone who believes in this world believes they have specific problems, these can be used as a springboard to work them back into the mind. It can be a very helpful tool. Friend, I have this tendency to start brightly in the morning, feeling good, reading the Course and feeling connected to God. With the way my work and circumstances are set up these days, I might not say boo to anybody until 5 o'clock. I practice a lot and I prepare for my lessons and recitals. I do not go to an office for work. I have time to read and really get into the things that I am reading. But there seems to be a pattern that around five o'clock it all starts to fall apart. I put it all away. Forget it and run out and have an ego party. I start to feel down, or I go out and get ice cream or something like that. By nightfall, everything is different. It is kind of like an alcoholic who wants to stop drinking, but keeps choosing to drink. In my case... I would not have it this way, but yet I would. How can I move through that? I realize in moments of clarity that when I am ready to let it go, I will let it go. It will be gone. But I often choose to retain painful patterns of behavior Sometimes I really prefer to stay in a state of pain. 
I want to move through that. David, you are describing your day as having two parts. The initial part of the day is about working, studying, reading, going deeply into things. Sometimes not seeing anybody until five o'clock. Then you seem to feel satiated, like you have just got to break out. Again, it is the same dichotomy whereby the ego breaks the day into two parts for you. The first part is before 5 p.m. and the second part is after 5 p.m. In the Monday to Friday workday world, it is common to have a sense of my time and their time. When 5 o'clock comes around, it is my time. I cannot wait until the weekend. Thank God it is Friday. These are common expressions. There are categories that the ego uses to break things up. As if there was a my time and a their time and a study time and a party time. The more we lay aside judgment and take on the Holy Spirit's function, the more it is God's time all the time. I remember last time you said, My God, the thoughts that go through my mind when I am practicing. You were aware of all the judgment thoughts. What it comes down to is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job, so to speak, in that the mind is very active and very powerful. These judgment thoughts are like trains. You hop on the train for a while, and when you try meditating, you are able to hop off. But before you know it, you are back on another train like, I told so-and-so that I was going to do that today. I had better get going because if I do not do it, or why did she have to do that? You hop on these trains and ride them. In your case, you practice and study until you cannot read another line. And then you go out and whoop it up. It is all about the form or content distinction. It is a matter of getting in touch with and watching those thoughts. While all this seems to be happening on the screen, you are learning to notice the backward, constricting thoughts that are fear-based, thoughts like, I should do this or else the consequences will be this or that. The majority of thoughts in the untrained mind have the fear of consequences behind them. Friend, who administers the consequences? We do, ourselves. Nobody is there to bash you. 
You are bashing yourself. David It can seem as if there are other people. For instance, if you talk with your mother on the phone every day and you decide that today you have something else you want to do, it may seem that mom has a reaction. Why didn't you call me? It seems as if people are doing things to us and that events completely beyond our control are taking place. The mind in a deceived state says, I am innocent. I did not deserve to be treated like that person treated me. When in actuality, the deceived mind believes it has separated from God. It has guilt. It actually believes it pulled off the impossible. It believes it was able to usurp the ability of God and to pull away from the kingdom of heaven to leave the Garden of Eden. It really is convinced of this. It is a horrifying thought. A really guilty thought. The Course says that is is not true. The Holy Spirit is gently reminding the mind that it is okay. Your Father loves you. You could never pull off such a silly thing as usurping your Father's ability or taking over God's role as the Creator. It is silly, but the mind is convinced that the separation has occurred. It projects that thought out onto the screen, which is the world, and calls forth witnesses to reinforce the belief that it is guilty. It believes it is guilty and calls forth witnesses. Then, by its interpretation of what seems to be happening on the screen, it is convinced of its guilt. There seem to be mean people and evil forces, when really it is just the mind calling forth witnesses to its belief that it is guilty. The good news is that when you start to get past the insanity of the false beliefs and let go of the guilt, the mind is healed. The healed mind calls forth witnesses that show guilt is not real. You start to see everything as a holy encounter. That is the good news. Remember, it gets back to the interpretation. That is the only thing that changes. Friend, I have an example of that. During the first year I was teaching... There was a little boy in my class who was extremely irritating to me. 
My supervisor directed me to move him to the front row and to pat him on the back or stroke his hair or take his hand or make some kind of contact every time I went by him to let him know that I was learning to care about him. I did so and he began to change. But do you suppose it was he who really began to change? He was the same kid, of course, and behaved, I am sure, in exactly the same way. But I changed the way I thought about him. At the end of the year, he was the only child I cried over when we said goodbye. The Course says that changing your behavior does not help because it is in your mind. And yet sometimes introducing a behavior seems to have an effect on your mind. Or does it? David It is never that way. That would be part of the backwards thinking. What the Course is saying is that when you change your mind and are willing to be something different and are willing to see something differently, your interpretation of the situation is different. Behaviors change automatically because of the change of interpretation. This does not mean we have the power to change other people's behavior. Metaphorically, you and all your brothers have equal minds. You are equally powerful. No brother has a more powerful or less powerful mind than another. In that sense, you cannot influence your brother's mind positively or negatively. I have already indicated that you cannot ask me to release you from fear. I know it does not exist, but you do not. If I intervened between your thoughts and their results, I would be tampering with the basic law of cause and effect, the most fundamental law there is. I would hardly help you if I depreciated the power of your own thinking. Text Chapter 2 Section 7 Your thoughts are causative and the thoughts you choose determine your state of mind. He is saying here that your mind is as powerful as his and that he cannot tinker with that basic law of cause and effect. He cannot take your fear away, but he can help guide you and show you your misperceptions and help you erase them from your mind. This will reduce fear. With the Holy Spirit, he helps you discern between the true and the false, so that you will be able to recognize the false as false and let it go.
That show is a different interpretation than seeing Jesus as a deity on a higher level. He is an elder brother that is equal to us always except in time. He seems to be higher on the vertical axis of rising up to God and laying aside the ego. But the vertical axis is in time and time is an illusion. Time is part of the ego system. So in fact, we are complete equals. Friend In our friend's case, when her boss basically ordered her to make a change in her behavior, she was really ordering her to make a change in her mind. And when she affected a change in behavior, perhaps the part of her mind that recognizes love recognized the change in behavior as representing what was already in her mind. David Changes are required in the mind of God's teachers. Manual for Teachers, Section 9 When one has willingness for a shift of mind, it may seem like externals are the impetus or the push. Take for example, someone who feels too afraid to leave their job, even though they really want to. It goes on and on and on like that until they eventually get fired. It could seem that getting fired from that job was the impetus to move on. But that is just an interpretation. It always comes back to the mind. It all has to do with the willingness to open up to the Holy Spirit. Everything that occurs is coming from a decision in the mind. But the mind quickly forgets the decision and whatever is outpictured can seem to be what triggered the change. But it always comes back to our own responsibility. Friend, do you find that people who want to take full responsibility and yet still believe in the illusion, start feeling even guiltier because they know they are responsible? David Yes, that is level confusion. I think the most common issue I find as I travel around is with sickness. Here you are, using a tool that says everything is a decision in your mind. You start to see that there is no external God punishing you or zapping you with AIDS or cancer, etc. You see more and more that the medical model does not really do anything. The Course is saying there is nothing outside in the world that is bringing any of this about. That is a big turnaround. 
if everything is a decision and I have the ability to make those decisions, then when sickness comes up, the ego is very happy to see the mind go through a guilt trip. I am sick, oh my gosh. I am making myself sick. But that really is level confusion because it is still a misidentification with the I. I am making myself sick. Self means the body, the tiny idea of myself. The mind still believes it is a little person. That is where the mistake is. We are infinite. We are magnitude. We are spirit. We are abstract light. People who have had near-death experiences talk about a brilliant white light of unconditional love. In a sense, the Course is saying that is what your true identity is. The Christ is spirit created in the image of the Father. The Father is spirit. The Son is spirit. The Father is infinite. The Son is infinite. But with sickness, the tendency is to think I am responsible. If you put the principle of self-responsibility together with look what I am doing, there is guilt. It is still a misperception of who I think I am. It is misidentification. The medical model tells us there are operations and pills, etc. that are necessary for good health. But the Course calls all of that magic. It is really about watching our thoughts and letting go of the ego thought system. Of course, in the ego system, there are lots of external things that are magic. But the Course is not anti-magic. It is not like pills and surgery and all these things are bad. Basically, if you are too frightened to open up to the Holy Spirit and have a mind shift or a miracle, perhaps you need a mix of magic and miracles. Sometimes the mind can be in such a fearful state that it is too closed down to the Holy Spirit. You can have a mix of magic and miracle. You will go along and keep getting better. Your mind will get more highly trained and there will come a time when you will open to the mind shift and the symptoms or pain will disappear. That is where the mind training comes in. I have had miracles where there has been an instantaneous shift in my mind and symptoms left my body that same instant. 
Those are very powerful personal witnesses for me that the Course is not fooling. For example, there are thoughts that it will take 24 or 48 hours to get over the flu. But you can have such a powerful shift that all the symptoms, the nausea, the diarrhea, everything, disappear in an instant. That shows you the power of the mind.